I'm Carson Daly, and I practically live online. It's true. Ever since the first time I heard the dial-up tone of AOL, I've been familiarizing myself with everything the World Wide Web has done to shape pop culture, from the early dot-com days to the Web3 and crypto boom. And what I've learned is that there's a not-so-secret society of entrepreneurs, influencers, and innovators who are incubating an entirely new zeitgeist, on and offline, and I can't wait for you to meet them. So tune in every Tuesday to hear my candid conversations with internet and technology trailblazers so you too can join us in leading the next digital revolution. This is The Carson Daly Show. I can't believe it's been almost two years since I was on my next guest show. I was so enamored by her and I'd be lying if I said she isn't one of my biggest podcasting role models. Sunny Abada is the host of the hit show, We Gotta Talk, which is all about real talk on big topics. She's a journalist by trade and at heart who spent 15 years working in television news but left the business four and a half years ago. Since then, she's been immersed in the digital journalism world, and it's her true passion in life to share good information and amazing stories that uplift, inspire, and entertain people. And it shows. I am always so impressed by how tapped in she is to what's going on in the world and absolutely loved her perspective on current happenings in Web3 and beyond. And I know you will too. Enjoy. Oh my God. Thank you so much. No, I had so much fun. And I was trying to think in my head, like, okay, we did We Got to Talk almost two years ago, right? Is that how like, long it's been? Time Two warp. years oh in June. I'm pretty certain of it. And I was just thinking of like, I watched back the clips that we did and I was like, oh, who is this girl? She was just so hopeful. <laughs> you were so good. You were like, honestly, explaining very complicated concepts in a really great way. That's all we could ask for. And you looked cute doing it too. So it was good. And now look at you with your own show. I love it. I know. Amazing. I mean, I feel like I should have done the show like earlier when I was still so because so much has happened. Like I've literally aged like mentally like 10 or 20 years since then. Like when I, okay, the day that we did, we got a talk. I signed a contract to start working for somebody else and he this guy like a, an anonymous crypto art collector was like launching a platform this turned out sunny to be like one of the biggest like juiciest rug pulls like conspiracies frauds in the entire crypto space and oh, i God. literally worked for him like was employee number one for him like it was so crazy and that day was you were like working for the bernie madoff of crypto yes yes literally it was so crazy it's like been insane so i was thinking about that and i was like i remember like i was in new york staying at citizen m like on top of the world like look at me i'm like living my dreams signed the contract that day to start working for this guy and like the six months that followed were just like the most crazy and the six months afterwards. So anyways, just that's what I'm here. I'm just Uh, I'm so sorry. It was amazing, though. I'm glad you're beyond that. Listen, we've all signed contracts that we've hated before. I look back at things that I've signed and done and I'm like, what version of me would think that that was? But you know, it sounds like you were fleeced. So you can't blame yourself. You were trusting the process. I was trusting the process and I was totally pleased. Okay, but I have to know, did after our episode, like after we after I came on your show, 
what was like your interact like we're gonna go backwards and tell people who you are in a minute but i have to know like what was your like exposure after that to crypto nfts like even if it was just like consuming mainstream media like did you go any further or like did you have any further understanding after we talked where you were like oh my god this is happening yeah, totally. So it's interesting. My sister, interestingly enough, got like into the NFT space. And I was like, well, let me just tell you a couple ABCs about NFTs because I interviewed this really cool girl. Like, so, I mean, I feel like I did walk away with the working knowledge. Now, did I go invest myself? No. Um, good, but I good girl. did. Um, I, I did. Well, I guess I'm like learning that was a good decision. Now, it was mainly out of procrastination and laziness, to be honest. Because when we were talking, I was like, okay, this is something. I need to be on top of it. I did actually even speak to my husband. I was like, did you ever hear of this, like, like NFTs and like, do you know what crypto? I mean, like all of this. And he was invested, and I think still is invested in crypto, which has been a challenging um, reflection a upon ride. that investment. But yeah, it's been yeah, arrived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, dude, it was so, you did such a good job though of like breaking it down into basics. So, and I feel like that's what my show is about, just like breaking it down for the average person. And I felt like I walked away with like some really good knowledge on what it was. And I could explain to other people and I can understand for myself. So yes. Yay. Amazing. Well, like I said, I watched back the clips. I should probably give it a listen back. It would be so much fun. But I still like truly believe in so many of the things that I, I had said on your show. And it's sad because, you know, because so many people got into the space and like a lot of money happened very fast, which was just really starting to happen when we first started talking, when we spoke on your show it just became such like a speculative place. And a lot of people really lost out on the philosophy and like the good word that I was, you know, preaching on We Gotta Talk and other podcasts. Like it's unfortunate, but I do feel like now I'm in a position where I'm hopeful that someday we'll be able to like, you know, there'll be some emotional capitulation and we'll be able to like course correct and get back on the right track. But mm -hmm. it is just like, it was crazy to live through. It's been crazy to live through. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. And like, listen, you were on the inside and I do think you like have to understand most of us don't have the level of intelligence or knowledge you do in this field. So when we're seeing the media report negatively on this stuff and what comes to mind is I was just watching Bill Maher and Ben McKenzie, like the actor, wrote this book on crypto and he did this interview with Bill Maher about how the like TLDR was that like it, it's a scam right and so yeah, people yeah. consume media you know and even it's 30 seconds of that interview that's all it takes for everybody to pull their money to pull their trust to like completely devalue the system and I guess it depends on like who you want to believe and like what sort of foresight you have and knowledge but that kind of stuff is scary and from a media perspective it goes to show how powerful like our narratives are so i still would trust someone like you who's in the space who knows like day to day what's happening rather than these sort of blurbs here and there that are like hey run away run away far from yeah, this yeah, yeah i agree i agree i mean i at this point am like in the runaway boat like i'm like everybody that wants to run away with me let's go <laughs> like running away from within <laughs> But I will say that like what it is, what is important for me to like remind myself and to also like remind people on the inside and the outside is that 
every single like avenue and vertical of capitalism really has the opportunity to be fraudulent and to to end up in scams like do you remember like the LuLaRoe like all the LuLaRoe drama of like the leggings and the MLMs like that started out as legitimate business like people were really make and then you get a couple people who are at the top who are money hungry who turn it into scams and it starts to fold like that happens everywhere that happened in the early internet boom like it you know cyber squatting all of that shit so it's like to me I'm like okay everybody is every vertical every part of our life like I've had gardeners scam me before like I've been scammed by literal gardeners who are like yeah we're doing the work on your garden and you're gonna pay us and then you pay them and they don't show up and they leave a deck that's half built which is literally what I live with right now so like everybody can be a scammer but I agree that like the media especially when you have something that is a, a that provides a threat that acts as a threat to the system that we like all that that so many people like benefit from at the top when you are presenting ideas that threaten that system of course there's going to be like oh my god it's a scam and it's not necessarily a lie but it's also not the whole truth it's just it's crazy and it, it does go to show the power of like the collective conversation, right? And it's unfortunate that we all don't have time to like really do the deep dives and really do the research. I mean, unless it's something you're planning on doing individually and someone like gives the time to it, but that's kind of like both the power and the danger of the media is like, you can, if you buy in full, you know, full tilt, then you're going to go with what you hear on the morning news. You're going to go with what you hear on that 10 minute snippet of a podcast. So it's just, it's very interesting. And that I feel like our whole society is like a house of cards in that way these days, because we have so many streams of information coming at us. Yes. You are picking essentially as a consumer, your own lane. So depending on what I pick, I would either have a lot of faith in that system or like think it's a total scam. So it's just, I don't, I don't know. It's a lesson on how we expose ourselves to Definitely. what types of media, all that good stuff. Definitely. So amazing. I mean, yeah. okay, so now we've we've had this recap. I'm so glad we had it. Let's dive in. Please, like, because I've been on your show and but I'm still getting to know you. I've been getting to know you since a fo- since becoming a follower. But I want to know, like, Sunny, where are you from? Where have you been? Where are you now? Like, tell me like w- those three milestones of your life story, please. I'll try to make it quick. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yay. Go Steelers. Go Penguins. Go Pirates. Um, born and raised, huge Italian-American family, um, like lived in the Italian Catholic bubble growing up, had a really great, you know, normal middle class growing up experience. And um, except like everyone's name ended in vowels where I came from. Um, yeah, I went to Carnegie yeah. Mellon University. And um, I loved that experience. I feel like I could talk about that forever. It was such a cool school where, I mean, speaking of everything like technology related, you had a really, really um, well-known and really like a group of crazy intelligent people on the engineering and computer programming side. And then on the other side, which is the space that I sort of moved in was the fine arts, drama, writing, playwriting. So you had these really two extreme 
extremely intelligent groups of people in their own way. And like anything in the middle in Carnegie Mellon was just like, there was just like no middle. You were either like brilliant in science or brilliant. And and I know it's changed a lot and they've like um, come up with programs. It's really cool. So I was one of the first uh, graduating classes of a program that combined the humanities and the fine arts because they started to realize, okay, we're being known for like two wildly different things. Let's create some middle ground programs. So anyway, um, I did that. And I my career background is, is TV journalism. I spent 15 years working in news, a little bit in sports and um, in both Pittsburgh and Orlando, which is where I currently am. And I kind of tripped into TV. I loved writing. That was my focus. I've been obsessed with, I, I was a quiet, like introverted, a very observant child. So writing really was my passion. It was my way to sort of like share myself with the world in a safe way as a young kid. But I sort of tripped into the world of TV news as I, I started working for a production company. And they were like, hey, we uh, we work with Fox Sports in Pittsburgh. Would you ever want to do a sports show? We're looking for like live sideline reporting from a minor league baseball team. So I did that. And then I started working on shows with the Steelers and the Pirates. And it just kind of, as I started to work in the field, literally as a 19-year-old doing this on weekends, my mom would literally pick me up on college campus and drive me to these shoots because I had no car. Um, I just kind of kept interning. So I was at the um, Dateline and the Today Show, and I interned at 30 Rock. And then I was like, I could actually do this as a job. It's cool. It's a combination of writing and performance. So anyway, I ended up at 21 working as like the youngest ever hired um, reporter trainee at the CBS affiliate in Pittsburgh. And I reported and anchored there for six years. I came to Orlando and I did that for seven and a half years. Then I had three kids and this is a whole separate conversation, but like it was a crazy schedule and I stepped away. So I've been in the digital space now for like six years, both podcasting and blogging when possible. And yeah, I'm such a oversharer in general and believer in like sharing our experiences and and good information. So I, yeah, I did a podcast. It's called We Gotta Talk and here we are today. And that's like the so quick version. Cool. No, I love that so much. Do you miss like being a part of like a larger production, like a corporate kind of structure in front of the cameras and behind the desk? Do you miss that ever? I mean, I wouldn't say I miss all of it. I, I, I really like if you, on a day-to-day basis, people come up to me like, oh my gosh, you have to miss TV. I'm like, I really don't. I'd like, there's no desire for me to like, oh, you're the lady on TV. But what I do miss is it literally being my job to interview people. And I've yeah. interviewed presidential candidates and like, I mean, it figures in sort of all realms, like medical, business, sports. I mean, it was so cool, but it's just, um, and this sort of dovetails into like the, the more like, fluffy side of the conversation. Um, I think women are in a really difficult spot. And when you're working in a corporate job and you're trying to like listen to the sort of the biological impulses you have, i.e. for me to like, I really wanted children, they they don't intersect well. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. And I'm the biggest feminist there is, but I think it's, we need to confront the reality that women cannot have it all at once. And I was operating under the assumption that I could, and I was getting up early and taking care of children and then going to work for eight hours and then going to bed at midnight and then getting it up, getting up and doing it all again. And so I had a real wake up call where I was like, it was weird for me to like, listen to that side of me versus the professional side. I was, I am, I'm so driven, but at some point you, you have to relent to like respect your your spiritual health, your physical health. And I I got to that point, you know? 
Well, and like you have to ask yourself, like, what's left for you? Like where because you're you're like, Mm -hmm. I'm working and I'm I'm working at home and I'm working at an office and I'm doing so much for Mm -hmm. these people. Like I have little people who rely on me and then I have like a bunch of little people at an office who rely on me, like basically like little in a different way. So what was like I mean, I'm sure there was kind of that was like a difficult transition because I want to just relate first and say that, like, I also am a huge feminist massive feminist but even now like in in the last couple years of as my life has changed like I I don't think I've I don't know if you know this but like I live in England now I'm like Matt fell madly in love with a Brit like he like I've changed my whole life like I was it fast-tracked like a career started my own company in LA like had like four you know consulting contracts going at any given time where I was working for you know 15 hour days to then be like wait I'm in love with this guy. He lives in England. He has a son from a previous marriage. Like there is no way like that the two of them fit into my life the way that it is now. And I think that was the hardest part of like stepping out of myself and into the relationship is that at 27 years old, I was like, oh, I actually am not the most important person in the world right now. And I, I, if I want my dream life, like beyond the dream career, if I want my dream life, like when I picture myself old and gray and whatever, I have to be a little bit selfless in this moment. And that was really difficult for me. So I want to know more about like how you got yourself through that and how you how you came to like find yourself again by kind of leaving part of yourself. Yeah. Oh gosh. You're very wise for being so young. And I think like it's real step one is what you did is like talking about it. Right. Because we are raised in a culture, which I'm so grateful for where women are being told we need to keep breaking down barriers. Listen, women, Women have the shit end of the stick right now. And I could get into a whole soapbox moment on this. But women, even though we've made great strides, are still in a really shitty position in American society right now. And don't even get me started. So so it's really hard to say this because when I speak up or you speak up about um, following that passion in our lives that doesn't directly relate to our professional career can come across as, well, I'm ungrateful for all the strides that were made, which we're not. And I'm, you know, like I'm, I don't want to carry the flag for future generations, which I do, but you, there, there is a, there is a biological reality where women are, are coming up against this, like, I don't want to call it a deadline, but our bodies cannot make children beyond a certain point in time. And I feel like, yeah, I was not sold, sold lies, but it was like, you can do it all and you can do it all at once and, and you can't. And if you've been through a pregnancy experience, you know how while wonderful and like a really like just an amazing like immersive spiritual experience it's also very taxing and to give of myself to my child and to also try to give of myself to my workplace and to say nothing of giving of my myself to my my partner in life i was like listen one has got to go you know so i think i think women should just spend that spend that quiet time thinking just like you did about how you see yourself in in 30, 40, 50 years. And if it does involve a family, then, you know, figure that out. And if it doesn't, and if if you haven't met someone, keep on your career path and that'll happen if and when you want it to happen. But I don't think we should ignore that that's a reality for women. And we do so to our own detriment because then we end up in a position where we're trying to chase those things at a time when, let me just tell you, things start breaking down after 40, you know, like, 
I wouldn't be able to have three children. I'm 41 now, like starting now, it would just be exhausting for me individually. So like we have, unfortunately men don't have to think of this stuff. We do. And that's just what it is. So, and you can find yourself professionally, you know, and thankfully I live in a time where in my field in media, the digital space has opened up so many opportunities that allow me to continue pursuing my passion, which is great storytelling, great information sharing without showing up in the same way physically that I had to for, for 15 years when I was working in traditional media. Exactly. Exactly. It's so, it's so interesting to hear your experience because obviously, like I said, like my partner has a son, I've not been through like the family starting in that traditional way, like the pregnancy experience yet. But it, for me, like what was really difficult is that my partner was kind of like, I took it as like mansplaining at a certain point of him being like, you, if him being like, I know like things change, like this experience. And I was like, well, you're, you don't get like, no, I'll be able to do it. I'll be fine. And he's like, like things change. And even though like we have, you know, we have his son only a partial time here. I'm like, there is no way because now I'm seeing like, well, I really want to spend time with you when you're here. And I really want to be part of the family unit. And I want to catch up on lost time. And like, you do have to realize like, okay, if I can't have it all, which like, to be fair, no, I don't think any person, man, woman, or outside, inside, in between, whatever, anybody, nobody really can have it all. <laughs> like it's there, it does, mm-hmm. life does require some compromise and, and a little mm-hmm. bit of negotiating with yourself and with others. So, but I love like hearing about your experience. And now I want to know more about We Gotta Talk because such a good show. Like I'm always picking up on the clips on Instagram. I'm always learning so much. You like you're the whole thing is like difficult conversations, right? Or like talking about like mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. Uh, things that would make people uncomfortable or like the roads less traveled, whatever. Have you always been somebody that like really likes to like dig your teeth into those kind of more challenging subjects? Or is that something that grew for you over time? Like always and forever. I like sat at the adult table when I was a kid. I wanted to hear what they were talking about. Like, I love the kids table. It was fun. And we had 10 cousins between us, but Sunday dinners, I was sitting there and I was like, listen, I mean, I, I'm a Libra. And if you believe in like, do, you know, yes. astrological traits, I mm-hmm. am like, okay. So I am the Libraist of like, I am the most balanced, can see both sides of almost any story and have always had a real, and I've also been a natural mediator for people in my life who've been having conflict, like from age zero. They're always like, one comes to me, Sunny, this is blah, 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 and Sunny from the other side. So it's a role that I have always had in my personal relationships. So I feel like it just dovetailed so perfectly into media where even though journalism gets uh, an understandable bad rap be, for for having bias, and I think all of us do to an extent. Yeah, um, at the very least, even if I have beliefs, which I do, you know, I, I'm pro-choice. I'm all these things that I can finally say now that I'm not in media. But right. I still will have a thoughtful, engaging, and interested conversation with someone on the other end forever, and I will show up with respect. And I get a lot of flack for that. Like, you know, I I did a whole Roe series, like the overturning of Roe with the Dobbs ruling, and you know. I did come out and say in the beginning my personal stance on it, but I will and happily do engage with pro-life people like 
right. even in my day-to-day life, I have a lot of people who don't believe what I believe. So I live the reality of like, walking the fine line of respect, even though I might not agree with everyone every single day. And that's why I bring it to my platform because we cannot have a society that is so triggered by an opposing opinion that we can't be respectful. That's where we're getting, you know, we're seeing physical violence. We're seeing, you know, crazy uprisings. Like we need to be able to sit down and talk with a level of respect about these things. And I always say, it doesn't mean that I'm going to try to take away your belief in something. It just means that maybe if you hear the other side, you'll react with less vitriol the next time you do. And that's good for everyone. Agree. I really think Agree. that. Agree. I think so yeah. many people go into those conversations with some, when you sit on the other side of an argument or of a topic from somebody you, and you're gonna, you're invited to go into a conversation with them a lot of times people are going in thinking this person's trying to change my mind or like Mm -hmm. they're going into it with like, I'm trying to change this person's mind where if we could just sit down and say like there, then there is a 99% chance that I walk away from this table with the exact same perspective and the exact same opinion and bias that I came into it with, but I'm going to just compartmentalize that and hear you out. It's like, we would be Mm -hmm. able to, I think get, so much further there is so much divisiveness and like now people are divisive based on unity like if you unify Mm -hmm. in some way then you it means you must like divide in another way it's it is really it's really upsetting it's wild and and you know the impacts on media are pretty extreme too like i i'm concerned about the future of genuine free speech in america and i you know i I don't think everything we say that is happens to contradict what you believe is hate speech. I think hate speech is real, but I think speech is being policed in a way. And even if it's not from a legal perspective, and I think like you should look into the libel laws in England, by the way, they're like much crazier than yeah, you cannot I've, get away I with have, saying much there. I know. I know. I've it's had crazy. My, so I've had my, I've had my run-ins. <laughs> have you? Oh my God. No, I can't talk arrested. about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, that's the future. Listen, like all, all love to all love to England, but that's the future we don't want, right? So, so by doing these like micro exercises and challenging our tolerance for difficult conversations and provocative conversations, what we're doing is creating level by level a society that will learn how to respectfully exist. And then we don't have to get to the point where we're policing people's thoughts and policing people's words, because that's the space we don't want to be in, right? So, so all of these things are challenging because our beliefs are tied so viscerally to our own experiences. Like you cannot probably get me to change my mind on certain things. Cause I just Definitely. sort of grew up thinking, I don't know, you know, in women's rights or whatever, you know, that's just a general example, but you know, you have to find ways to, for your own self-respect to not be so triggered by conversations that you can't even have them or hear people having them. I think that's a dangerous place to be in. Definitely. Definitely. There's also, I read something in, maybe it was like bustle or something about like therapy speak kind of like taking over like Mm -hmm. our entire world and like our, our relationships and everything. And I think a lot of it, like you said, like we need to learn how to self-regulate our emotions so that we are not so triggered by something. And a lot of times what I'm seeing too, is that people are getting triggered 
buy an opinion that does not even actually affect their human experience. Like you are getting triggered on behalf of other cohorts and groups of people who are not asking for your defense. Like they're not asking for your allyism. Like they're not asking for you to go so hard for them. Like let people have their own kind of opinions and opportunities to stand up for themselves and, and to self-advocate. Like we have to be able to self-regulate so that not everything in the world is a fucking trigger to us, like truly. Yeah. yeah, And and what it also does is it removes our ability to detect nuance. And and we mm. live in a gray world. And, you know, people joke all the time, I'm such a black and white person. I'm so, okay, you may be, but, but the reality is that the best, you know, solutions sort of always exist within like the gray part of the spectrum in life, right? So when we, when we, grab a soundbite from someone's podcast or we grab a clip from someone's social media and say, look, this is what she believes in 15 seconds. And we lose the ability to understand that that conversation was contextualized in a much greater, then that's a disservice to everybody, to you, because you're being, you know, bothered or triggered by something that's not even true. And to the thousands of people that you're projecting that to, which is not a complete sort of understanding of perhaps what that person was saying. And the impulse to do that on social media is so strong. People want to be, oh, call yeah. out culture is so like seductive, right? Like they want to be the person that finds that clip of something Carson said that's going to get her arrested by the thought police in England. Or, you know, they want to be like, oh my God, you're not going to believe. Look, Carson's blowing yep. up. Her show is doing so well. Let me just grab this clip and bring you down. And, and this is a call to everybody when you hear that kind of stuff or see that kind of stuff, be the person that's like, hey, well, let me hear the rest of that conversation. Exactly. Let me contextualize that. Like, this is why I'm so passionate about it because it's a call to action for all of us to change the way we hear people, to change the way we listen to people and, and the way we communicate. We we have to talk these things through. And so yeah. like the show, like, I mean, it's like a fun name. We got to talk, but it's really the, the motto that I live by I, when there's an issue in my relationships, I talk about them. When there's something tr difficult that's happening in society, we did a whole uh, series on school safety and like what happens to our administration, the questions we need to ask our administration to keep our kids safe. I mean, uh, you know, sharing your kids online, like when there's something that's big and difficult in society, I like to like bring it in and find a way to like bring that conversation down to a level that people want to engage with. And it's not too like official sounding or like, you know, detail oriented, but still a solid info. I want to bring that to people and like be that conduit because that's, I like believe so passionately in this. I, mean, I love that clearly, so I'm much. I'm like getting all sweaty. I know. <laughs> I love it so much. Okay. Tell me about some of your favorite episodes that you've ever done. Like besides ours, you can leave ours out. I already know that's on the list, but seriously, I want to know what are some of your favorites? My <laughs> podcast episode with you is called WTF is an NFT. And my day say, I'm very proud of that episode title. So good. Um, oh gosh. Okay. So I can tell you what people have like, uh, the, the latest episodes we've done, I did a whole episode on swinging, which I think is I like saw so that. crazy. It's good, right? It? I was like, yes, this it was is not so for me. But again, it was so good. It got everybody talking like, oh my God, pray more. Like the comments you should have seen on social media. People were like, oh my God, I pray. I'm like, dude, just let people live. You might not have to like it anyway. Um, you know what tends to be really big? So I did a whole series on like online safety for kids. Um, oh gosh, let me scroll a little bit. What tends to be the most popular, interestingly enough, are like hormone related things. So I have a whole episode with, uh, or a whole series of episodes, one with Dr. Carrie Jones, one with Elisa Vitti, who's the... um. Gosh, she wrote a book called something cycle. Anyway, it's all about like um, 
you know, planning your schedule around like where you are in your cycle, because we're on a 28 day infradian rhythm, whereas men are on a 24 hour circadian rhythm. So like our moods Ooh. and everything fluctuates on a month long scale versus men who don't have the same hormones are on a 24 hour. That's why everything's easier for them. Don't get me started. Anyway, that one's really popular. Everything. Anything hormone related. Um, Yes, I do actually just as like a good distraction, a lot of skincare stuff. So I interviewed um, Dr. Whitney Bow, the skin cycling queen from social media. Um, the one, Another one that was really popular on like the fluffier side of things was with Dr. Lara Devgan. She's like a really well-known plastic surgeon who does this like great work in New York City. Um, yeah. And then I did, like I said, will gun control stop mass shootings? Mm -hmm. Um you know, like why you shouldn't post your kids online, um, the overscheduling of children. We did a whole oh, episode yeah, on why good. we need to like not. Yeah. Anyway, so it's like I want to say all over the place, but it's really not. It's very like detail oriented, kind of on the serious side. Definitely. With a couple, like skincare things thrown in. I love that. <laughs> God, you got to you got to have the skincare in there, like no matter what, keep it in there. I do. Okay, and I, I know we were t we were talking, especially when you're 41 and you look like you, Sunny. You gotta tell us. You gotta tell us, not you gotta talk. You gotta tell us <laughs> what it is that we need to be doing. Okay, so I know we just talked about like not changing your mind, like not going into something with the feeling or like this the burden of like I have to leave here and change my mind. But I do want to know: were there any shows or like topics that you covered where you went in with like to interview somebody or have conversation with somebody and you were like I'm pretty staunch on like what I feel about this on a personal level like remove the mic remove the headphones and then you left being like mm -hmm. oh maybe I actually maybe I was par impartial like I was not impartial or like I you left feeling like a different way about it. So I would say one of the issues that is most difficult for me to uh, see the opposite side of is like, we've gone back to this again, but pro-choice and pro-life and yeah. where we stand on the issue of legal access to abortion. Now, I, it, sunny of the past before literally, I mean, part of me learning to deal with triggering air quotes conversations was exposing myself deliberate. It's like exposure yeah. therapy to people who don't yes. agree with me. And I did that very deliberately on this issue. So while I wouldn't say that I ever changed my exact position, I will say I, some of the people I love the most friends that I love the most in the world who are staunchly pro-life that in a, in another world, I could never have sat down and not broken out in full body sweats listening to yeah. after having many, many conversations with these type, these, these people who believe this and, and knowing that I still love them as individuals. Um, I am so much less, it's not like I changed my mind, but I'm less like, uh, about it. Yeah, you know, yeah, I can yeah, understand, yeah. I can, I can understand their point of view, right? I think the truth lies sort of in the middle and I'm not going to okay. change the efforts that I make to keep that type of stuff uh, accessible to women. You know, it doesn't mean that I stop donating to my causes. But I mean, I don't think I've, I'm trying to think of another issue that I feel so strongly about. Um, I did a whole, I, I did a whole, so like two series or two episodes, like a little mini series with this amazing guy that I found on social media called the conscious Lee on race in America. And um, those episodes were really eye-opening too, because I feel like we came at it, not just from the traditional, like white privilege angle or the, you know, here's what here's what, how your existence is harmful type of thing. But he very graciously like broke down the historical issues that have informed 
um, you know, some of the struggles we're dealing with today. And that was eye-opening for me in a way, not that I didn't already believe in, um, you know, having open, honest conversations about it, but like seeing life from his perspective, that was just very eye-opening to me as well. And again, I didn't want to, that's always a tough topic because you don't want to be like the that white person that's come in. Well, you're one black person. Tell me what you think. So I don't want to make our conversation <laughs> representative of a bigger issue, right? Because that's annoying too. Like I'm only one person. He's only one yeah, person. Exactly. But being able to show up in a vulnerable way as an individual to an individual was really powerful. And yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think if I ever like really changed my mind. I want to know more about the swingers episode. Like, how did you, how, okay. because, Absolutely. because, because, because I want to know, like, I, this is something like, as I'm developing and like creating my like dream guest list of like podcast guests, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to talk to somebody that like, um, is like a dream decoder that like decodes dreams or like mm-hmm. a psychic, like spirit link. Like I want to, these are like all things and it comes from a place of like, kind of like self, uh, like importance of being like, I want to know this. So I, I That's have good. this platform and now exactly so what like that's why I'm curious about like how did you come up were you just like okay this is interesting like I need to talk to somebody about this tell me everything yeah because like a lot of people do this shit Carson it's freaking it's it's insane like the stories you hear in suburbia it's wild so why because like you know there's this like running rumor in this town that if you have a a, a doormat that has a pineapple on it it means you're a swinger ah, I'm so crazy heard shit Yes. So she says that's not true, by the way. She's like, no, "No, I'm not going to like push a pineapple in my cart. And like, she's like, we find each other at clubs. Okay. I was like, okay, Okay, Um, sorry. (laughs) Just a rumor. Yeah. yeah, Just, you know, she was so great. Um, I just did that from season one of We Gotta Talk. I wanted to like, again, expose people to like what most people consider extreme ways of belief or acting that like show you that like there's just people behind it and you know this woman that I interviewed her name is Ashley Renard she doesn't happen to still be in that lifestyle she and her husband right. left it but like isn't it cool that someone is like not ashamed of their life enough to show up on a public platform and talk about it because now she uses that experience to help coach couples and be like right. hey here's how you keep things spicy i just think it's so brave when a person like shares where they've been. And I'm like, listen, I may not do what you do, but I want to talk all about it. I want to know all about it. Like, give me the details. Yeah. It's It's crazy. The stuff that she was telling me. So amazing. I love that. No, it's so cool. Okay. Speaking of like the swingers conversation is a little bit into the next thing I want to talk about, which I just, I've been thinking about this a lot and I thought maybe we would have a conversation about it, but have you heard of sex tech? Have you heard of this like new field? Okay. Mm -mm. So Sex tech is, I've got my, my official definition is technology and technology driven ventures designed to enhance, innovate, and disrupt in every area of human sexuality and the human sexual experience. So it is like, from what I can tell, it is rapidly growing. It's already worth upwards of like $30 billion. And even though like, it's not that surprising to me because sex is like very much Mm -hmm. an integral part of like the fabric of our society and culture, I find it like a little bit interesting because also like on the other side, all of these studies and reports are coming out saying that like people are having less sex, like in particular Mm. Gen Z is like having less sex than any other like generation before them. So I just wanted to know, like, what are your thoughts here? Like, does 
Does sex need to be like digitized as much as it is? Does it need to be technified as much no. as it is? Yeah. Okay. Please share. No, there's like nothing that can replace. No, I mean, listen, maybe I'm just old fashioned on this. I don't, you cannot replace the connection you feel with like your partner or like the feeling of them, the physical. T- I mean, like, I don't know if we're talking about like remote control dildos here, like how tech even gets into sex. Like what is, I don't know what that means, but I'm just saying like, for me, no, I believe in like the, the the emotional side of it too, and the spiritual side. And maybe you can achieve that in that way. And I'm just not aware of it. But I am. I heard that statistic too, is that younger people are having less sex these days. And while I don't advocate people to be like total hussies, I do think you need to like, that's a, like you said, an integral part of our well-being is our connecting with people and the people we love. And so like, that makes me really sad to think that that could be taken away and people could genuinely believe that it could be replaced by technology. Like that's just depressing to me. And I know that makes me sound like a Luddite, but it, it, it's depressing. And I hope no, that it like, is. It while is. listen, I'm, I'm all for, yeah, like technology and innovation is great, but it, there are some things that you can't and shouldn't replace with technology. That's what I, I think. agree. And I think like just the fact, like, so I did an interview with my friend, Sally Coaching, who has like a very tech focused like pleasure product brand which is amazing she's so awesome and they are like bluetooth connected and like remote control and your partner if they're like away yeah like so you're if you have like a long distance relationship yes it is that and also like did you see a couple weeks ago that that news article going around of like the lips like the bluetooth lips that could like stimulate you if you kissed it at the same time as like your long distance partner like very weird okay so yes there are things that i'm like oh that's cool but then like when we talk about like people younger people having less sex or less interest in sex it's like i my mind goes to like is it because of this addiction like we can't even put our phones down to have sex Mm -hmm. like if people can't even like we're so kids in particular like my little sister is 20 like she's they're so addicted to their phones like Mm -hmm. how do we kind of take this away and because I do think that you can get genuine connection through the phone through the metaverse whatever the, like look at us we're friends like we've mm-hmm. never met in mm-hmm. person we've never hugged shook hands whatever but like we I do believe you can get that connection but you're losing parts of like intimacy building and emotional connectivity through the phone like what have you found like out in your in your field research and studies like what is happening with people in the phones well i mean i certainly have like interviewed a lot of like people in this realm of like tech addiction or how to moderate your kids usage of social media the best did a whole episode on like the best age to get your kids a cell phone which by the way research shows is like ninth grade is it feels like forever but is developmentally speaking, the best time to yeah. aim for, um, precluding any comp. And I, I'm going to say that people are gonna be like, well, my, I'm divorced. I'm not trying to say you need to do that. I'm just saying yeah, that yeah, what yeah. the expert said that I interviewed. Um, and I, I personally worry about it. There seems to be actual real research showing that this is damaging our relationships, our ability to emote, our ability to connect in person. And yet we persist. Like we're like, you know, all day. So while I'm not saying this as someone who has also fallen victim to the technology trap, I think we need to just be aware. And like, if it means hiding your kids' cell phones or your own cell. I have to set my own cell phone away from me sometimes. And I know if I'm 41 with a fully developed, yeah, you know, brain, and this is still happening. I mean, you have to take ownership of it as a parent or as an individual. And if like, 
you have to want that human connection too, you know? You can't just, oops, I tripped and fell onto my phone again and here it is. You you have to have some agency in that, right? And like that's what we need to tell younger people is like, listen, there's a whole beautiful real world out there that you can smell and, you know, touch and and experience that doesn't happen through your screen. You know? Exactly. Yeah. It amazes me like how I think like I again, like I'm kind of new into like uh, what are we calling like people are talking about like soft quitting or something. I'm like soft parenting, right? Because I'm like a step, like turning into step mommy, yeah. like soft parenting. I'm like soft launching my, like my soft launching my parenting career, but Your like domestic side. Yeah. I'm like, so I'm so observant because I'm so curious of this, like little person who I've, you know, over the last year have been around on a day to day basis and see grow. And like, he amazes me because of like, his ability on both sides in person like human connection that he is watching him like adapt to like interpersonal and intrapersonal signs social signs like cues things emotional cues like he really picks up on things and i'm like this is super cool and amazing and then same goes with like he knows what apps on the tablet has his videos like he can watch one time you go to one like knows exactly how to i only have snapchat on my phone for this kid because he goes on and opens it and just wants to scroll through the filters and things it's so funny like he knows how to do it so i'm like oh my god this is amazing and what i'm realizing in my like i'm getting to the my point here is that At some point, like these two developmental skill sets like are growing in tandem and they are parallel with like the in-person social cues and and emotions and connectivity and then the tech like abilities and capabilities. And then at one point, it's like the tech just shoots up in the social skills and like the actual communication skills plateau and just stop like it's insane. And I am here to tell you as a parent, my kids are, my son is 10, my daughter's, my older daughter's eight, my younger daughter's just about to turn six. If you don't force that as a parent, they won't do it. Like I had to tell my son, I was on on a business trip for the first few days this week and I came back yesterday and I had to say, like he was doing a homework assignment, so it legitimately needed to be finishing on the computer, but he was done at this point and he kept going back. I was like, dude, sit next to me. This is a chair next to me. Sit. We're going to talk. He's like, what are we going to talk about? Oh. He like, he was exhibiting <laughs> oh. signs of like, oh my God, first it was tricky, like an actual physical addiction. Oh, and that's it's, so it sad. Is, it is literal like bizarre world. So I had, so I had to say you need, and but you need to, it's easy for me to, as a parent to be like, listen, I'm eating dinner anyway. I'm eating late on my own. Just go play. I said, you're going to sit and we're going to talk. What are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about how your day was. Let me, let me ask the questions. Just sit and get off of the computer. Like you need to do it because it, the draw is so strong. It's scary. We had to like take the Xbox completely out of the home a couple of weeks ago. Oh, wow. And we can't, you can't just hide their controllers. You have to like unplug and physically remove. I've had to hide all of the iPads. I've had to like physically, because it's not their fault. They're becoming addicted to this. It's, it's my fault for allowing them access. So like, I try to hold myself accountable as a parent. You have to so hard we like in our experience here like one time we had it was probably in like october november we went away to this like cabin like in the in nottingham like this like cute you know woodsy part of Mm -hmm. england and we were kind of like we had a really stimulated day like hikes outside in the hot tub whatever and we were exhausted and he was like still kind of up and awake and we were like fine just like tablet take it 
and we were like at, it got to a certain point where it was like 10 o'clock at night and we were like oh my god like our four-year-old <laughs> still has the tablet and is like awake just like, like he he was like he had discovered youtube like kids youtube oh and mm -hmm. i don't we don't mind like the netflix stuff like they have like cbb's over here which is like pbs mm -hmm. kids like programming that's good but like youtube where it's like what the hell is going on like even though it's kids programs it's all an ad for one thing and for two there's no good storyline and it all ended because like we finally turned it off he went to bed the next day six in the morning our door flings open and it's like a demon has filled this beautiful child's body and he's like daddy where's the tablet and we were like <laughs> <gasps> we were like both we like grabbed each other in the bed we were like ah like and we were like we were like the tablet's done like we are done we don't care and we had it's, to wean like it was so scary yes. it's actually unless you like see a child go through that you like you're like i can't be that quick it is that quick it is that real it is that intense i'm like i tell my husband i'm like they are actually different humans when they don't have they are access to technology like better humans you know like more attention paying and more patient so Yes. And it's kind of a bummer because it's like, damn, it's like one more thing I have to control and like schedule out. And it's just like, fuck, you know, but you have to, you have, you have to. to. Well, I, we are kind of already into it, but I did like, that was something that I wanted to talk about in like, and I always talk about it when I have people on my show that are parents, like, cause I'm so curious how people are raising their kids in this new digital age, especially because like at some point, the tech, like the tech that my mom was comfortable with, like I could not fucking ever use a fax machine. I would never be able to use a fax machine. Okay. At some point, my, I'm gonna have, I know I have technology that my mom will never be able to use. My kids will have technology that, mm -hmm. like it will become obsolete to me and my skill set will become obsolete and my tech will be obsolete to them. So like, how are you thinking about what, first of all, what are like, you already talked a little bit about it, but tell me like, what does it look like to moderate like exposure to devices in your home and how are you and your partner like in your home how are you planning to approach like advances in technology and things like that especially if there are things that you don't necessarily already find like that you're competent in but your kids will outgrow that yeah so for existing technology. I like to moderate it. Like I said, I hide the iPads. I just do. I pick a couple of days a week where they can have access. And then it's like an hour or two. And I'm not like overly particular. I haven't, and this is not great, like set their devices to have like individual time limits or anything, but we have the security measures on there for like what they can on, on like Safari and stuff. That's like the extent of it. Um, and so I will physically remove with new technology. Like, um, what's the thing? What's the, the Oculus? Yeah. The Oculus. Yeah. No VR. Yep. I'm like, he's like, my, my son is like, oh, my cousin's using it. I said, I don't care who's using yeah, it. Right. You're not. I don't believe it's, it's designed for older brains. And like, there's it a is. reason why. So it is. Yeah. like, I think, yeah. And it's freak. it's intense. I'm like, oh my God, I put it on one time and I was like, uh, yeah, like it was trippy and weird. <laughs> it was just insane. So yeah. that kind of stuff, we're just like totally putting up a pause on and when he gets to be older or whatever. And then, like I said, with the phones, I, I mean, God, I hope that I can do this, like knock on wood. I really want to wait till they're in high school and they have watches now that can call me. So oh, we have the bases covered. So if yeah. they need, that's all they need right now. And um, I'm hoping that that will be enough technology 
they can text from there and they can call from there. And that's all we need. So please pray for me that I can be <laughs> praying, strong. Praying, until my praying, praying. Definitely praying. Yes, I think you have to think about it, you know? Definitely. And it just made me realize like, uh, when you just said like, yeah, we have the phones and they can text and call from the watches. Like, I just realized like when I, I was 18, when I got my first iPhone, like that's kind of late for like a, mm -hmm. what they, they've just come out with like a new micro generation term that I fit into, which is zillennial. So like in between, like I'm the younger mm -hmm. millennial, older mm -hmm. Gen Z, whatever. Okay. But like for me, that I'm was a zenial, like, <laughs> so I'm between the, the previous generation. Okay. So I, but that I was late. It's like a lot of my friends had iPhones before me. And like, I remember my mom's thing of being like, even when I wanted an iPod touch, like she was like, mm -hmm. you don't need to have the internet in your pocket. Like I had a phone, like a little, like a razor, like flip phone. Like I could text and call and that's all that I needed. Like that's what you need a phone for. And now you can't even get phones like that. Like you literally, it's, it's like, if you want a phone, it's a, it's a smartphone. It's a mini computer. It has everything that you need. Like it's, I will find it really hard myself to be like, okay, how can we, like have reliable communication with our child, our mm -hmm. children, when they're not in the home, when they're at the age that they can call and text without giving them the whole world and like basically drugging them with these devices. It's wild. Yeah. And like it, it parenting these days is like, I guess, easier in some ways, but it is so much more challenging. And like, just because we have technology that could technically make it easier. And listen, I've leaned on iPads so many times. So I hope this isn't coming across as preaching. Yeah, no. Like my kids have spent entire eight hour days, right? On YouTube <laughs> You're YouTube like, kids just take it. Just with my take monitoring. it. Right. Yeah. yeah there are, you know, but like it for this age forces you to be so much more aware and so much more responsible for that because you you just simply cannot let it go because it is like a tsunami that will overtake them unless you're there to hold it back. So that's just what I try to like keep in mind. I'm like, listen, it's going to be really annoying in the short term because he's going to be so annoyed that I'm taking away his iPad or Xbox again. But I try to think like long term, like this is what type of adult do I want to have? You know, yes. adult with impulse control, an adult with emotional yes. range. So I'm like, okay, just keep <laughs> at it. You got this. Like, cheering yeah, thank myself you on. Later. It's a lot. Thank it you really later. Is. Yeah, it is. Okay. So on the topic oh, of so. like, yeah, he will. And I'm sure like his future partner or friends or teachers or everybody that he has a relationship or a connection with and bosses, coworkers will think like I literally just the last thing on this, I saw a news article today that, that was like, here's how to help foster like interpersonal communication skills with your Gen Z employees. I was like, what? So like, how do you crazy. feel about that, Carson? Like being technically part of that generation. Is that weird that people have like need handbooks on how to talk to you guys? That's so, it's crazy. so weird. Yes. I'm like, first of all, like, okay. It says a lot about like our, like the global economy is like workforce that it's like, we have to hire people. People get out of college. They need jobs. They want jobs, whatever. But then that they are like, can't it's like the Steve Buscemi like a gif of like hello young people like how why can't we just like and look I was I was 21 working at a startup like sitting in the big you know sitting at the big boy table with my with the CEO and the COO and the creative director who were all 20 plus years older than me and like I got it but I we were still able like we had our challenges but I was learning from them I always saw mm -hmm. it that way like I was really learning from mm -hmm. them and developing my professional you know communication skills and my communication skills in professional and personal settings in how I 
communicated with them but like i can't imagine the role reversal there of them trying to communicate with me it's crazy it really is and like it's really easy as a young person to go into a professional field or or setting i guess and feel like oh, they're like they don't know what they're talking about like there's like they look at these old people and yes that is true like you know you got to give us time to catch up on some of the technology but there's so much to be gained again and it goes back to what we were saying before by just like being there listening, asking questions, because, mm -hmm. you know, I thought I had all the answers at 25 too. And I thought that, oh gosh, there's like no way that anyone can like, you know, but <laughs> you know, you need to, you know, you need that exposure to like a regular workspace. Maybe you don't show yes. up to an office from nine to five every day. And that's okay if that's not your journey, but you need to be able to be in a room with people older than you and with a different life experience and communicate properly and with respect. Like yes. give me a best regards when you sign off if you're younger than me, you know, like give me a thank you, give me, you know, like this exactly. is like basic one-on-one stuff that you, you know, that you need like, to do. Hi, if, like if greetings, you're going to be hello. Yes, like say hello, yes. start it with hi. I mean, I have to like, yes, I have to ask though, is it like, when you're talking to people your age or in the younger bracket, maybe in the early 20s who are just going into the field, like, what are you hearing? Do people just not want to show up in a physical workspace? Do they like know how to interact? Like, am I missing part of the story? They definitely don't know. I mean, like I, what is like my kind of experience with this? Because like, I haven't been in an office in a long time, obviously, because I have been, I've started my own company, whatever. But like, I just know I feel bad. I always throw my little sister under the bus in this show, but I don't care because I don't think she listens to it anyways, unless she's with me. <laughs> but like, love you, Colb. But she like if if we're at a restaurant and somebody comes over to take her order, she's like, um, hi, can I have the? I'm like, pick your head up, look at this person, address them, speak clearly. Like, what are you doing, dude? Like, oh how? God, and crazy. I can't really imagine like, but also like I've talked to other people about this of like, because of like TikTok and YouTube and influencers, like the whole like creator economy, like everybody mm -hmm. wants to be an entrepreneur. Everybody wants to start their own business. Like, but what they don't realize is like that it's not, it doesn't just happen. Like they have a parasocial kind of relationship mm -hmm. with success where they think like, oh, because I've been following this person since she has 15,000 followers and now she has 5 million followers. I feel like I've been a part of that journey. And I've contributed to it in the way that I know how to do it for myself, but they don't oh gosh, do that's it. That's a really, really interesting point. I think you, I think there's some truth to that. I really do. Like, just yes. we think that because we're watching it play out like on social media, that like, oh, if they did it, I, and, and not that you couldn't, but it's like right. the realities of that are much more complicated than like what you're seeing posted every day. Definitely. And ha a lot of people, even if they do, if they are like, maybe they get lucky and they go viral, they have like a viral moment. Like they don't know what they're going to do off the back of that. Like they've just been posting, they've been whatever. It's like, what, are you going to set up like a drop shipping company and launch your own apparel brand? Like, are you going to like, I, I don't know. I wanted to talk about this a little bit, but now we're running out of time, but like, you've just, you've launched a production company now. Like I mm -hmm. think about mm -hmm. podcasting. I love podcasting. I'm happy to do this, but I, sometimes I'm like, what's the exit? Like, what's the exit of a podcast? 
Like, are, are you just mm-hmm. going to run a podcast for the rest of your life? If I am fine, tell me I signed up for that. Am I going to write a book? Am I going to write a sell an e-course? Am I going to become a call? Like what the hell is the exit? Like people don't have exit strategies in mind and they're on this hamster wheel of like going on and on and on. I'm like, okay, what, yeah. where, yeah. what is life? So sorry. My, that's yeah. so and, and No, I love that. And you know what? You give me something to think about too, because when we created my, my co-founder and I created it, like you said, a podcast production company called you should have a podcast. We were thinking, I mean, with the experience, we have, I have 20 plus years experience in media now, both traditional and digital. She has almost the same. And we're thinking while I will always do my podcast, as long as I can see in the near future for now, because I enjoy it, not only do I want to be able to, like you said, like step away and have that exit strategy, but I want to help other people experience like the joy and the business growth and, and the connection that can come from this. And we've been producing Oh my gosh, we've produced so much together. My my partner's name is my co-partner's name is Rachel, co-founder. And Rachel and I have produced live events, television. She was my producer when I worked in TV. She was like in my earbuds screaming at me. We've produced <laughs> podcasts together. We've produced streamed events together. I'm like, we've been doing this. Let's give it a name and let's do this for other people because I do want what I envision is creating not only that production podcast production company where we can service people's individual needs as far as their shows go, but also eventually the goal is to have a podcast network where I can represent voices that aren't in the yes. market and you know shows that I haven't been able to find as a consumer and help people create those. So like finally I can, you know, just have that like sort of more bird's eye view of the industry rather than yes. in the trenches doing the day to day. So, exactly. but it only, it only recently came about cause I'm like, dude, we've been doing this anyway. Let's help other people. And I'm so, so excited to like, it's I so cool wait. to talk to people, uh, people about their visions. Yeah. It's really cool. We go through the whole, like, you know, whiteboard and creative process. I, love it. I think it's amazing for you. Thank you. Yeah. It's really cool. And it's, uh, you know, we've been telling stories professionally for 20 years and the only difference is now we're just kind of turning it outward instead of talking about like death and destruction on the news. We're like telling more fun stories. So Yay, we're here for I it. love it. Well, when you and your partner figure out like what is the exit strategy? Because like I've I've just started here. I'm new to the court. Like I'm good. I'm happy to put in my hours and earn my stripes. But it is something like I think everybody's dream and goal is like if they want to launch a business, like how do I be... I had a guest the other day who said this, like, how do I be in the business without working on the business every day? Like be a part Mm -hmm. of growing it, Mm -hmm. be a part of the brand without needing to be a part of it every single day without like, you want something that can run without you there. And like it, it Mm -hmm. becomes difficult when it's a podcast, especially when it's something that's, you know, named after you when it's literally your namesake. Like, so anyways, but I won't yeah, keep you. Exactly. I know you've got it, girl, but tell people where to find you. What's next? Where to find you should start a podcast. We got to talk everything. Awesome. Yeah. So the podcast production company, it's you should have a podcast.com on Instagram. We are you should have a pod. My own individual podcast imprint is called We Gotta Talk. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. We gotta talk.com and on Instagram, I'm Sunny Abata. S-O-N-N-I-A-B-A-T-T-A. One B two T's. You're the best. You are my Italian soul sister. <laughs> Girl, I'm here. I'm here for you anytime. And uh, truly, I'm really excited for your show and you. You have such a joie de vivre and you have like a real, um, you have a real innate curiosity that I think will only serve you well in this field. So best of luck and anything oh. you need, I'm here for you, girl. Thank you. I love you so much. The Carson Daily Show is a Decentral Media production. 
Please follow this show wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate me five stars, share it with your friends and foes, and DM me any questions you have. You can find and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carson Daily and the show's dedicated Instagram at The Carson Daily Show.